in the book of Psalm. And uh, I'd encourage you, if you never read the whole book of Psalms, uh, you should read it. There's 150 Psalms, and but many of them are short. There's only one really long one. It's 100, Psalm 119, and it's, uh, uh, it's got 176 verses, in case you're wondering. But um, all, most of them are, are fairly short there and pretty easy to read. But the thing I love about Psalms, now you, you always have to make sure you read it, uh, not with a grain of salt, but understanding that it's Old Testament, right? So there are some things that are said in the book of Psalms that you don't pull into the, uh, into the uh, New Testament, right? For example, in Psalm 51 where David said, created me a clean heart. Uh, well, that's, that's great, but you don't pray that as a Christian because you already have a clean heart, right? He caused you to be born again. Uh, and so we don't pray that prayer because uh, that's not necessary for us to pray. So there are a few things that you have to be careful of. But here, the very beginning of the book, uh, very, Psalm 1, verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Uh, and so if you do these things, if you do verses 1 and 2, then the promise of verse 3 comes into your life. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doth shall prosper. Uh, and so those are great verses, and like so many, and probably the majority of all promises, there is a requirement on my side. What am I supposed to do? And he says, blesses the man, not just blesses the man, period, but blesses the man that does these things, walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. You know, if you're seeking counsel from ungodly people, you know, how did you get rich? Well, I, I, I stole and I cheated and I lied. That's a great plan. I'm going to do that, right? Well, that would be the counsel of the ungodly, amen? Uh, you know, there are plenty of successful ungodly people who you should not emulate their, their plan and, and, and uh, their walk, amen? And yet, for some people... Uh, the end result is all that matters. How you got there doesn't matter. Well, not in the Lord, amen? Uh, it is, it's not that he doesn't want you to prosper because the very last thing says if you do these things, you'll what? You'll prosper, amen? Uh, and so he not standeth in the way of sinners. Uh, in other words, who are your best friends? My best friends are sinners, right? Uh, isn't there a country song? I've got friends in low places, right? Uh, isn't there a song like that? Uh, is, is it, who is it? Garth Brooks? Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, you know, uh, and, of course, people like to sing that song, but um, uh, if that's your, if that's your uh, uh, favorite song, then you um, might want to adjust your songs there, right? Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, right, those who, are, who hate God. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's amazing right now uh, in our society how many people are publicly acknowledging how, they, how much they hate God. You know, it used to be, the, you know, the, the world would kind of leave the church alone, and, you know, they would kind of respect religion, respect God, even if they weren't Christians. Nowadays, they are flagrantly scornful against God. Uh, and if you're a Christian, you double scorn on you, right? I can't believe you know you are a Christian. I can't believe you're not, right? Aren't you an intelligent human being? Uh, you can't be that intelligent if you're not a Christian because if you really knew what Christianity was all about, all people would want to be a Christian, amen? Uh, and, and he says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Do you delight in the word of God? You know, uh, it, it's perfectly fine and acceptable to delight in the law of God. We should never be under pressure about the Word of God. It should never put us under pressure. It should be a delight to us to read the Word of God. Because when I read these verses, it's a delight to me because I'm, I'm looking at the end and say, okay, so if I do all these things, what happens? I'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Don't you want to be stable in your life and have a, have a solid life in, uh, in this earth? Don't you want that? I want that. You know, and when I read that, I well, Lord, I want that. Well, you can have that, but you've got to do verses 1 and 2. Well, I how can I get it without doing verses 1 and 2? Well, that's not an option, right? There's not an option 
you know, uh, you can get all these things. If you just ignore everything I just said, you can have it anyway. That's it, not the way it works, right? But see, what you've got to decide is, is it worth it to do these? Is it worth it to be a, like a tree planted by the rivers of living water? See, uh, every day you get to make the choice. Is it worth the effort to, to be like this? But to be like this, I've got to do these things. And you've got to decide, is it worth it to walk away from the, the situation, to walk away from, from the counsel of the ungodly? Is, is it worth it to do these things? And you have to decide, is, it, is the value of being like a tree planted by the living water worth walking away from, from being around these, these influences in my life? Because, uh, see, sometimes people want, well, I, I still want these influences, but I also want to be like a tree. Well, you, it's not the way it works, right? And so you have to decide every day, is, is the effort of, of changing your life to line up with what the Word says to get the promises of the Word operating in your life, is it worth to do that, do those things? And, and to me, it's like, well, yeah, that's like a, a how, how long would it take to decide that? Well, I don't know how long a nanosecond is, but it's really small, right? It's like a millionth of a second. That's about, that's about as how long you should take to decide, right? It's worth the effort, amen? Uh, and so you get to be like a tree uh, planted by little, bringing forth his fruit in his season. Things just work, right? Things are blessed in your life. Uh, you, you ever seen people, everything, everything explodes. As soon as they get it, it blows up, right? I mean, if it's brand new, it blows up. Uh, and why is that? Well, the, the, they're not bringing forth fruit in its season, right? It's all dying on the vine. It's not, and some people are that way, right? His leaf shall not wither. And whatsoever he does shall, shall prosper. Wouldn't that be nice? Everything you do is, a blessed, is blessed. Everything, everywhere you go is blessed. Everything you say is blessed. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I mean, that's a good promise, right? Don't, wouldn't you want to, uh, he said, whatsoever you do prospers. Now, see, that's not, you, you don't take that out of context. Well, Lord, I want you to, whatever I do prospers. That's not the way it works. It's like, well, Lord, if I do these things over here, then whatever I do prospers, right? So that's the way the promises work. You do your part. And God will ensure you the prosperity in your life, right? And, that's, it, and he doesn't limit it to just only natural prosperity. It's mental prosperity, that you have a sound mind, right? You think well. Uh, it's physical prosperity, that you're healed and, and strong and healthy. Uh, and, of course, the spiritual prosperity, you get to be born again. Uh, and so he says the godly are not so. Uh, or the ungodly not so. Did I say godly? You know, the, un, the ungodly are not so. Why? Because the promise is not for them promises. This belongs to you. This is your promise. It's part of your covenant with God that he promised that you can be like this. And I just, you know, when I read these things, it just, just joy and excitement rises up in my heart. Lord, I can do this. And, and, and I don't have to depend on anybody to do this. I can walk the way you tell me to walk, say what you tell me to walk, and I can have the promise you have. I don't have to wait on some guru. I don't have to, you know, swim an ocean or, you know, or dig a ditch. I can just do what you tell me to do. And these promises come. That, that, to me, that's a great deal, right? And, and what you'll find with the promise of God, 100% depends on you. Nobody else, right? doesn't depend on, on who your mother is, who your daddy is, how you grew up. You know, well, I, you know, I, I, I started behind in my life. He doesn't, he doesn't, there's no footnotes that says, this is all for you unless you were born over there, right? Unless you were born in, you know, some people told uh, Dr. Dufresne was in the earth, well, that gospel works for Americans. It doesn't work for us. Is, is that what it says? And whatsoever he shall do shall prosper as long as he's located in the United States of America. Now, I know it's easy in some ways because we, we're a blessed country, uh, but it, there's no footnote there, right? So don't add to the Word of God and don't limit the Word of God to, well, it doesn't work for me, right? I'm on a fixed income. You know, well, I got this situation. I got that situation. There's no footnotes there that, 
your situation exempts you from the promises of God. That, that's what I love about the Word of God. And when I read it and go, I'm looking for, what's the loopholes? No loopholes. It belongs to you. Anytime you want it, you can have it. Was that good? I think that's, I think that's amazing news. I think that's great news, right? That makes me so excited when I read these verses like this. I think, Lord, you know, I didn't have any of this stuff growing up, but I started reading these things. Lord, I can, I can really have that? That really, and I look, and I'm trying to find, you know, sir, well, this doesn't apply to you, right? You're not in Jerusalem, or you're not, you know, whatever, whatever. I find no, no constraints on these verses. So that means they're available to you. Anytime you want it, they're available to you. Now, is that good news? See, I think that's great news, right? Because uh, I don't like, uh, you know, when I, back when I was in the corporate world, uh, so, you know, because you have a boss, right? And they, you got to do things. You got to do your performance reviews every year. Hey, you did this, you did that. And, and every now and then my boss says, well, your performance is going to be based on if that guy does that thing. And I'd say, no, I don't want my performance based on him because I can't control him. I want you to measure me against me. You can't measure me on whether that guy does that or not because, you know, I'm not his mama. He doesn't work for me. I can't make him do anything. And so, but, well, that's the way it is. Well, okay, that's fine. It's wrong. Amen. Your performance should be based on, on you, right? And Chris knows all about these things, right? Because she's still in the corporate world. And, uh, and those of you in the corporate world, I know it's, it's not fair, right? Because they don't follow biblical principles sometimes. Uh, but I like these pr- principles because that means I can have this anytime I want it. Well, why can't I just, you know, why can't I be successful? Go back to Psalm 1, 2, and 3, right? Uh, and read those verses. Meditate on it because he said meditate day and night. Lord, I can have these. I, you know, be thinking about Psalm uh, chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. Meditate. That's what it means. Think about those verses, right? Meditate day and night. Lord, I can really have that? So you've got to get it set on your heart. Lord, I can really have that? And, and the resounding answer from the Spirit of God will be absolutely anytime you want it. Is that good news? I think it's such good news. I'm just so excited about it. You know, we could just preach and take up an offer and go home right now, right? But uh, uh, anyway, praise God. Well, let's stand and greet yourself for just a minute, and we'll get into praise and worship. Father, but there's something about that name that is everlasting. Father, we thank you that Jesus was willing to come to the earth and live and die, Father. Because of the work that he did, you conferred upon him a name that's above every name. So, Father, if it's above every name, it's above every devil, every demon, Father, every sickness, every disease, every lack and want, Father. That name's above every name. If there's a name, then his name is above that name. Father, cancer is a name. The name of Jesus is above that name. Father, we thank you. Poverty is a name. The name of Jesus is above that name, Father. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and mercy. And Father, we thank you that you gave access to your name to your church. Father, we just don't look at that name and and think, wouldn't it be wonderful to have access to that name? We have access to that name. You said, Father, in my name, those that believe, Father, will do great and mighty wonders. Casting out devils, Father. Speak with new tongues. Lay hands on the sick. Father, there's so many great and wonderful things that we can do with the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that you are willing to pay the price. Do the work, Father, to obtain that great and wonderful name. Father, we thank you. 
for all of these things, Father. We give you praise and honor and thanksgiving, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the name of Jesus wonderful? Amen. It is wonderful. Amen. We thank the Lord for his name. Uh, it's a great name. Amen. And our authority resides in that name. Amen. Uh, and so it doesn't reside in the crucifix or holy water or, you know, any weird things like that. It resides in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Who, who established that protocol? Well, the Lord did, amen. If he established it that way, that he wants our authority to, to reside in his name, then that's what we should follow, amen? amen? We should make up things and change things to suit our own philosophies or ideas of things. Uh, you know, submission is one of the great blessings of the Lord. If we can learn how to submit to the Lord uh, and do things according to his plan and his instruction, then things are much better, amen? It's when men get in the earth and go, you know, I think I've got a better way. Really? than the great God in heaven? Oh yeah, yeah, my way is much better. Well, uh, come see me in a year from now, let me know how that's working out for you, amen? But as long as there's been men on the earth, there's been rebellion, uh, and uh, people just want to do things their way. They want the blessings of the Lord, but they want to obtain the blessings of the Lord by continuing to do things their way. Uh, and if we could just give it up, just say, well, okay, Lord, just whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'm gonna do. They said, tell you what, if you do that, I'll bless every day of your life. I'll bless everything you lay your hands to. I'll grant you full and complete health and healing, soundness of mind, and fullness of joy. Amen. That's a pretty good deal, right? You know, and then you get some people that'll go, so if I do what you say, I can get all these things. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not doing that. You know, well, who would do that? People every day do that, right? People every day look at all the promise of God and say, so if I follow your plan, everything I lay my hands to will prosper. Yep. I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> you wonder about people sometimes. You're like, why aren't you doing it that way, right? Uh, you know, I mean, I, in a small way, I've done that plenty of times. You ever try to help somebody out? Well, do it this way. Well, I don't know how to do it. Well, but I know how to do it, and if you do it that way, it'll work. I don't want to do it that way. Well, what, well why, why did you even come and ask me? Right? People come out, hey, can I get some help? Yeah, okay, we'll do it that way. No, I don't want to do it that way. Well, then why did you ask me for help? Amen? Yeah, anybody know that you ever had that experience, right? Yeah, do it that way. No. Nah. <laughs> Sometimes you wonder about people, right? Did, were you dropped as a baby? Did, are you okay? You know, do we need any, you know, a medical intervention here? Uh, I don't know. You know, uh, when I when I realized that if I follow the word of God, uh, I have complete and total blessings and increase in my life. And I just thought a long time ago, oh, okay, I'm going to do that because I, you know, see, I'm the youngest of eleven. I saw a lot of mistakes from the 10 people ahead of me. Yeah. And I made a note, yeah, don't do that, right? I mean, you know, that, that's, why, that's why I never smoked because, you know, they're coughing and wheezing, they smell bad, they got, uh, you ever seen people smoke, they got yellow fingers? Yeah, I didn't realize it was from the tar from the cigarettes, right? I used to watch my dad smoke and I'd, I'd watch the little smoke, you know, cigarette smoke. And, and I think, well, you know, he's coughing and wheezing all the time and, and, and it smells bad. You know, cigarettes just, now, I, you, I'm not mad at you if you smoke, right? I mean, because once it gets a hold of you, you, know, you need to believe God that, that the devil and that, that, that conflict is removed out of your body, right? Because it demands to be fed, amen? Uh, but I thought, well, that seems like a waste of time. My mother was an alcoholic, and I remember growing up thinking, well, that seems, doesn't seem to be working out very good for her, so I just, you know, don't drink alcohol. Never been drunk in my life. Well, you know, what, what do you know? Well, 
I mean, I haven't done a lot of things because I've seen other people make mistakes. You know, people, so, you know I come from a school of hard knocks. You know, I've, I've been through things and done things wrong, you know, and I, I, you know, I've learned some things. You know, the only thing better than a school of hard knocks is a school of somebody else's hard knocks, right? You find out their mistakes, yeah, don't do that, right? Well, see, you follow the Word of God, and He goes, well, you can avoid all that. Really, I can avoid all that heartache and, and pain and agony if I just follow His Word? Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Well, why not? Why wouldn't you want to do that? Uh, well, you've got to be goody two-shoes. He said fullness of joy. What would you exchange in your life to obtain fullness of joy? What would you, what would you be willing to give up in your life to obtain fullness of joy? Well, maybe this one thing. Well, why wouldn't it be everything? People that are that are, that have got great uh, that have got great wealth would exchange anything to obtain the fullness of joy that you get for free, but they want to do it on their terms because they think because they're wealthy they get to, to dictate the terms. Well, you've apparently not met the great God in heaven. His terms are the only terms. Amen. He he doesn't negotiate with terrorists or any human being either. Amen. Uh, his way is is the only way. Amen. Uh, and uh, you know, the world is pushing tolerance right now, right? Got to be tolerant. Well, and what they mean by tolerant is you got to believe everything except for anything that's good, right? If it's good, well, you know, then, then that's wrong. Well, that doesn't seem very tolerant to me, right? Well, God is the ultimate uh, uh, non-tolerant being. He goes, you can do anything you want to as long as it's my way only. I am the only way. Well, that doesn't seem very tolerant, but it's perfect. It's, it's successful, Amen. Uh, and so we got to get, the, get the, these ideas of the world out of the church, right? The church's job is not to be tolerant, amen? We can be loving, we can be kind, but we don't accept and approve and celebrate sin, amen? We can, you know, I mean, who in here is without sin? Anybody want to raise their hand? Uh, we'll pray for sinners and liars in just a minute, right, if you raise your hand. Uh, uh, that doesn't mean we, we beat you up every time you make a mistake, amen? That's not our job. Did you raise your hand? Uh, they're all pointing at him you did it okay we're going to pray for you here in just a minute for lying Uh, but uh, it doesn't mean we accept and approve of their sin amen Uh, Jesus never accepted or approved of anybody's sin but he he hung out with sinners all the time amen and that's where the church has a hard time getting to that balance of of not uh, beating people up and sending them to hell every time they commit a sin I mean how are they ever going to get saved you know, uh, every time they get close, you beat the snot out of them. It's like, well, well, why would they do that? Amen. Why would they want to come to church if every time they come to church, you beat them up and tell them how sorry they are? Most people already know how sorry they are. They're looking for a way out. Amen. Uh, and we can provide a way out. So the church is not tolerant, but, you know, we are loving and kind. Amen. Uh, and, uh, and, and we allow the Lord to remain in his position as judge, and we choose not to accept that position. Amen. Uh, and so let's open up our Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll continue there today. We've been teaching about spirit, soul, and body, and we're talking about spirit here. But I wanted uh, to continue reading our kind of our beginning scripture here, our foundation scripture. It says in verse 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when God was designing humanity, when he was in heaven, he's going, you know, I want a human being. But I, I don't, you know, I want them to be above animals, right? I want to be above angels. I want to be above uh, created beings. I want to be the highest being in creation of anything. And so, in order to do that, I'm going to take of my spirit and I'm going to put of my spirit. I'm going to put it in their in their bodies. And that that's what it says uh, that your your whole spirit. 
And we read in the book of Hebrews that God is the father of spirits. So animals don't have spirits. Amen. They have souls. They have emotions. You ever seen a dog get mad, dog get sad? You know, my dog, when Chris is fixing to go on a trip, she gets out her little suitcase there and, and puts it, and starts putting stuff in it. And, and Clark knows that. And he gets all sad, droopy-eared when he sees that. because oh, she's going to be leaving. He doesn't really have a, con- you know, like where she's going or anything like that, but he knows she's going to be leaving. And he gets all sad. He, you can see it in his face, right? Dogs have emotions, amen? Cats have emotions like, I'm better than all of you. Uh, you know, that's their emotions. That's the only emotion they have. But dogs, you know, uh, they, 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 have a, they have a kindred spirit with you, and, and they, they don't want to miss you. Uh, and, and my dog, it doesn't matter how many times we leave and come back, he thinks, you're back. I didn't think he was ever coming back. We, we do it a hundred times. He's like, oh, thanks for coming back. I never thought she was coming back. And he's so excited, right? Wouldn't it be nice if, if, if you know, your spouse would treat you the same way your dog treats you when you come home? Oh, thank you for coming back. I'm so glad to see you. You know, your spouse is like, hey, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but, but dogs have emotions, but they don't have spirit beings. They're not created in the image and likeness of God. They're created by God, but they're not created in the image and likeness of God. You are created in the image and likeness of God. Amen. God puts puts part of his spirit in you. Now, how does that work? I have no idea, but he did it. Uh, and that's what make, what's makes you special. That's what makes humanity special, right? Uh, the world is always trying to equate hum- humans with animals. Well, we're all animals. Well, I mean, we're all mammals in, in the sense that the mammals are mammals, but we're, we're way above uh, animals, amen? Yeah. Remember Jesus said, you know, consider the sparrows, how much more are you? Right? We are above the animals, you know, and that's not... Oh, well, you know, we're, animals are not equal to humans, amen? They're here for our benefit, and so, and that's why we eat them, amen? And so, uh, you know, uh, people get mad about things like that, but, you know, we, you shouldn't mistreat them because the, God still created them, amen? Uh, and some people mistreat animals, they shouldn't mistreat them. Uh, that doesn't mean that they're of no value, they are of value because God created them, amen? Uh, and so, but you are uh, made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And we've been talking about the spirit part, and how that the whole point, we went through the whole transition of mankind and how they fell and how they needed to be reborn and, and we got you born again, amen? When you accept the Lord Jesus uh, as your Savior, then God comes in and makes a brand new spirit in you, right? Not, not a fixed spirit, a brand new spirit. He looked at it and go, yeah, you can't fix that. You got to get a new one. And when you accept him, he goes, okay, here's a new one. So you get a brand new spirit. And then he seals that spirit. Remember we read that last week? He seals that spirit uh, by his spirit. Uh, and so that tells you one thing that, that uh, first of all, Christians can't be demon-possessed. Because a, demon, uh, a demon-possessed person is when their spirit is completely uh, controlled by a demonic force. Uh, and, and your spirit is sealed by the Holy Spirit. That, that devil would have to break the seal of the Holy Spirit. You, any devils on the earth powerful enough to break the, the seal of the Holy Spirit? No. So a, a, now you can have demonic influence in your life. You can yield to demonic uh, powers. Amen. Uh, but you can't be possessed. Plenty of Christians yield to demonic uh, spirits all the time. They get mad, resentful, unforgiving towards somebody, uh, be angry and wrathful you know, about somebody. They're yielding to demonic forces and those things. Uh, but you know, sometimes they're just mean people, right? I mean, Christians uh, can be mean people. You ever notice that? You know, uh, I've said this many times. I said, the meanest people ever meet will be in church, right? Uh, now, the kindest and sweetest people you ever meet will also be in church, amen? And hopefully the kind and sweet people are outweigh the mean people. But, you know, uh, you get a bitter Christian, man, they are bitter. They're like professional bitter people. Uh, and, and conniving and, and, and stealing and lying, all that's in the church. Why is that in the church? Because people have a choice, amen? 
Uh, and we're going to talk about some of those things as we go on. But, but you need to have confidence in your spirit being. That your spirit being is made of God. Amen? Made from God. When you accept the Lord Jesus, he comes and puts a spirit, a brand new spirit in you, sealed by his spirit. Amen? Uh, and God has always wanted this. That's what he wanted more than anything. And it was always his intent that Adam would continue that plan. Uh, and and you know, now this will take a, a small little side journey. But you ever wondered, uh, you know, when, uh, if you follow Jesus, see, the, the thing about Jesus that's nice is Jesus came, uh, and the Bible calls him the last Adam. And he came into the earth just like Adam did. Amen? See, Adam w- was created. He didn't, ha- he didn't have um, a natural father, neither did Jesus. And so when Jesus came into the earth, he was essentially just like Adam was. Now, uh, he could have made a mistake just like Adam did, right? He had a free will. Didn't Jesus have a free will? So he could have sinned if he wanted to. In fact, you remember when you got to to Matthew 26, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, not my will. He said, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So in that moment, his will, what he wanted to do was was different and not, not the same as what the Father wanted. Well, that's not a sin yet. It's only a sin when you go, and that's what I'm going to do. See, Jesus recognized that, you know, as a sane person, he didn't want to go to the cross. Anybody want to go to the cross? Oh, yeah, I want to go to the cross. You don't want to go to the cross. You all all talk big, right? Me, I ain't doing that, right? Uh, And even sending my own son. No, you get your own son. I'm not sending my son. You send your own son. Uh, But God the Father is willing to do that. And so Jesus, he didn't want to go to the cross. He said, Lord, if there's any other way to complete the act of redemption other than going to the cross, you know, I'm open for suggestions. And uh, he said, but if that's the plan, that's what we're doing. See, that's, what, that's a normal part of humanity. What you want to do and what God tells you to do in the Word of God oftentimes are in conflict. And if you're a wise person, you go, oh, I'm in conflict with the Word of God, then, then that's what I'll do. I'll change and I'll do what, that, what the Lord wants me to do. But rebellious people go, I'm going to do what I want to do. And then, then death and destruction follows, and they wonder, like, how did I get here? Well, let's back up, right? Let's back up to, to the beginning, right? People want to, well, help me get out of this hole. Okay, well, let's, first about, let's talk about your shovel first. Right? You're in a hole, and you want me to get you out of the hole, but let's talk about your shovel. I don't want to talk about my shovel. Yeah, but you dug this hole, right? Stop digging. Well, but, you know, I don't want to give up my shovel. Well, then all you're going to do is just get them back on the ground so they can dig up another hole. Amen? People want to talk about their holes or their shovels or their decisions they made to get them there. They just want to help you get out of that situation. Well, it doesn't do any good just to help people to get out of the hole if you don't talk about how they got in the hole to begin with. Well, people don't want to talk about that. That makes them uncomfortable. Well, you know, uh, it, it's part of life, amen? So Jesus, his will was, was distinct and different than the will of the Father, and yet he chose to submit to the Father's will. That's what we should be doing, amen? So when uh, Adam came along, uh, and uh, people think, well, Adam was destined to fail. No, Adam was not destined to fail. He could have succeeded, and we could have been without all these problems we have today. Because Jesus came in just like Adam did to, to dispel that lie that Adam was doomed to fail because he succeeded. Uh, but then, you know, uh, uh, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, he didn't have the Spirit of God upon him until he turned 30 years old and went to the, went to the River Jordan. John the Baptist there baptized him, and it says that the Spirit of God came down upon him like a dove. But we never saw that with Adam, right? There was a, there was a time when when Jesus was just himself up until the time he was 30, and then he was connected with the Spirit of God. We never saw that same transition with Adam. 
and, and this is my opinion. I always, uh, my opinion is that the tree of life was intended to be that event. When the Spirit of God came into Adam, when he got to a certain age, a certain ability to understand how things work, that God was going to give him the Spirit of God just like he did Jesus and just like he wanted to give to us. And, and remember, he said he never ate of the tree of life. You know, why wouldn't he eat of the tree of life? In fact, remember that after he sinned, God said, well, we've got to get him out of the garden because if he eats the tree of life, then that's a problem, right? Uh, so we, will, we don't want him to eat of the tree of life. He ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The only tree that, that he was not supposed to eat. Well, that's exactly the same problem we have today. So you can do anything you want to except for not that, and that's, then the rest of your life, that's all I want to do. Right? Somebody tells you, well, you can eat anything except for the donuts, and you, well, that's all I want to eat is donuts. Well, but, I mean, five seconds ago, you didn't want to eat it until somebody said, don't eat the donuts. Well, that's all you want. You don't want not mashed potatoes, you don't want bread. All you want to eat is donuts because somebody said, don't eat the donuts, right? And, and well, that's, that's humanity, amen? And so God said, you can eat of any tree, any tree. And there's only two trees that are named, but you can eat of any tree in this whole garden except for that one. Okay, that's all I want. And you get fixated on that one tree. Now, and if you're not careful, uh, you'll, you'll get, to, to, uh, you get your mind consumed with that one thing and you'll end up uh, violating the will and plan of God in your life. Oftentimes God will tell us, hey, don't do that one thing. And then you think, well, that's all I got to do. Why? Because rebellion, right? That, that natural rebellion, uh, that natural inclination of humanity to just do what they want to do. Uh, and, and, you know, God created us with a free will. And, and, and that whole concept, we're going to be talking about the will of, uh, of man uh, in part of this teaching here. Uh, but that's the greatest gift that we were ever given is your free will. And, and great philosophers and even Bible scholars, so-called Bible scholars, say you don't have a free will. God's already decided everything. So well, then we're not like God. If we don't have a free will, then no more like him. He said, let us make man in our image. And that's the greatest thing of God that he has is his free will. Jesus had a free will. Mankind has a free will. You can choose to go to hell. You can choose to go to heaven. It's your choice. Amen. It's really simple. And we're going to talk about the free will as we go along. So for whatever reason, Adam, uh, he, he just didn't want to pursue that. Amen. Now he could have. Uh, and so Jesus came along to, to dispel those lies that Adam was doomed to fail. He was not doomed to fail. Uh, Jesus made it. You can make it. Amen. Now, and if Adam had made the right choices, then, then we would all be better off. So let's, let's uh, turn to uh, John chapter 16 real quick, or John chapter 14. And we'll look at a, a verse here. Because after you get born again, see now your spirit is made brand new, right? Uh, and it's alive unto God. Uh, and, but that's not the end of the, the deal, right? We, we had read uh, Galatians 3, 14, that you'd get the spirit of God in you. And I want to read what Jesus said here uh, in John chapter 14. He says in verse uh, 17, even the spirit of truth. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, well, let's start in verse 16. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Now, it's important to note that uh, when every time you see the word another in the, in the word of God, there's two primary Greek words for another. One means another of the same kind, and another word, uh, uh, the other one means another of a different kind. And so to know which one it is, it's kind of helpful to know when he's talking about another one, uh, that, uh, uh, which one it is. In this case, it means another of the same kind. So another comforter. In other words, same kind that, that I am, right? I'm the comforter right now on the earth as Jesus, but I'm going to send you another one. He's going to be just like me, except he's going to be in all of you because what's he say? He said, I'm going to send you another one just like me that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive 
uh, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But why, why can't they receive him? Because they're not qualified. See, their spirits are still not alive unto God. They've never accepted the Lord Jesus. So their spirits, remember we read in, in Romans chapter 7 about how your spirit dies. In other words, it's separated from the life of God. It doesn't cease to exist, but it, it gets separated from the life of God. Uh, and then you must be born again. You must accept Jesus at that point in time. Every human being goes through that process. You must accept Jesus. And if you don't accept Jesus, then your spirit is not alive unto God. It doesn't have the life of God in it. So the spirit of God can't, can't commune with that spirit. Right? Life and death cannot coexist. Uh, and so God wants you to, first of all, accept him so that the life of God comes back in you. And then once you do that, now your spirit is alive unto God. He goes, okay, now I'm going I'm to give you, in addition to making your spirit alive, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And he said that when he does that, that uh, for, uh, he said, now, now this is the Gospels, right? This is before the cross. He says, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So he's talking to the disciples. He dwelleth with you. So how, how is the Spirit of God dwelling with him? Well, these, the Spirit of God is dwelling with the disciples because the Spirit of God is in Jesus. And so everywhere Jesus went, the Spirit of God was there. And so the Spirit of God was with them, but, but there, there's a separation. There's a gap between the Spirit of God and the disciples. Why? Because at this point, they are not born again. They are not qualified to accept the Spirit of God, right? And so now let's turn over to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> Uh, and so, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, we get here, and he says, in verse 19, he says, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? See, so now we're after the cross. Now he's talking to the church, right? And he says that the Holy Spirit is in you. Jesus said he's with you, but he will be in you. And now Paul is saying, now he's in you. All right, so now as a church, as a child of God, even if you don't know it, right, the Spirit of God is in you. Every Christian, every person who has accepted Lord Jesus, their spirit is reborn, made brand new, and then the Spirit of God comes in them. So they have a brand new spirit and the Spirit of God in them, right? Things start getting a little crowded, right? You've got, you got your spirit and the Holy Spirit in you, right? And there's other things in you too. Uh, we'll talk about that as we go along. Uh, but the Holy Spirit is in So, so uh, is that valuable? Is that helpful? What, what, what can the Spirit of God do for you? Amen? Uh, I want to read, uh, uh, let's read, let's go back to the Old Covenant. Let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 36. So Ezekiel's got 48 chapters, so you can kind of just thumb through about uh, two-thirds of the way through there, and you'll can, uh, trip over Ezekiel, right? Uh, and so uh, he's one of the major prophets there. He's the last major prophet before Daniel there. And so Ezekiel uh, 36 here <clears throat> So Ezekiel is a prophet, right? He, he's hearing words from heaven. He's writing these words down. And much of what he says, not everything that he says, but much of what he says, he's talking about future events. I'm a prophet. God has given me uh, information to tell you that someday these things are going to happen. And, and so here's one of the things that's going to happen. He, and, and the Lord's telling him these things as a prophet of God. He's writing them. And he says in verse 26, this is Ezekiel 36, 26. He said, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you? So up until this point, nobody had a new heart or a new spirit, right? All of the old covenant people uh, had, had, were separated from the life of God. Now they were given credit because they believed in the Messiah that was come to them, but uh, we'll talk about maybe, that, maybe that's more later on. Uh, but they didn't have it yet. They were unqualified for a new spirit. They hadn't accepted the work of the Lord Jesus because he hadn't come yet. He said, I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you 
and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. So he's prophesying the new covenant, the new birth process, right? That you're going to, first of all, get a new spirit, and then I will put my spirit in you. Well, is that a good thing? Well, that's a good thing, right? Because uh, everywhere you go is exactly where you are, right? And so everywhere you go, the Holy Spirit is in you, with you. You don't have to go somewhere and find the Holy Spirit. Everywhere you go, he's with you. That's a good thing, right? Uh, not a creepy thing. That's a good thing, right? Uh, and so let's turn over to, uh, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 8. Let's look, look at a couple of verses there. <clears throat> and so uh, I'm trying to get established here of what's the status of your spirit being, right? Uh, Paul said you have a spirit. You actually are a spirit. That's who you are, right? Uh, and so here in Hebrews, chapter 8, uh, well, we got to get to get to chapter eight there. <clears throat> Let's start in verse uh, in verse ten. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures here. Um, it says, uh, "Well, let, let's uh, um, well let, let's start in verse seven. It says, "For if the first covenant had been faultless, there should be no place uh, there should no place have been sought for the second. So when he's talking about the first covenant, what covenant is he talking about? about the Old Testament, right? The word covenant and the word testament are the same word, same Greek word. Uh, and so anytime you see the word covenant, you can see the word testament. Uh, we call it a New Testament, Old Testament, but it's really new covenant and old covenant. It's the same word, right? Uh, and so he said, for at the first covenant, that's the agreement that he made with Abraham. Amen. When Abraham was, he said, I'm going to make a covenant with you, an agreement that I'm going to, you know, uh, make your descendants like the stars of the sky, the sand, the, the sand of the, of the, of the, uh, of the shores, and I'm going to bless you everywhere you go, and I'm going to take care of things for you. You know, it's, it's a great covenant, amen? But it wasn't a perfect covenant. It was as good as God could get at the point in time the way humanity was. Abraham was not alive unto God. So he could only go so far with the covenant. He wanted to go further, but, you know, he had to kind of start there. Well, let's get this one covenant established, and once you get that established, then we're going to build on that, and we're going to come, in, and we're going to replace it with a better covenant. And the better covenant then is going to, I'm going to get in you. And my spirit's going to be in you. That's a better covenant, amen? See, the spirit of God wasn't in them, so it was okay covenant. He would bless them, protect them, you know, provide for them. But he couldn't be in them. So he, he wasn't satisfied. But, you know, he kind of had to sneak up on it, right? Because humanity, you know, we're wily people. And if we knew everything from, and from the beginning, we'd be like, no, I don't want that. I mean, Abraham was the 20th generation from Adam, you know he talked to every, every generation before that, just, hey, I want to have a covenant with you. Mm, no, I don't think so. What do I got to do? Just say yes. Really, that's all? Yeah, no, I don't want to do that. No, that. I mean, that's all he said to Abraham, right? Just all you got to say yes. Uh, and Abraham's like, so I get all this stuff if I say yes. And the Lord's like, yeah. Abraham's like, sounds like a pretty good deal. I think I'll take that. Everybody else, uh, you get all this stuff if I just say yes. Yep, no. I mean, how, you know, Abraham's a one in a million. You know, the Lord looks over so many people trying to find somebody that will agree with him, and it's really hard for the Lord to do that sometimes. Sometimes you go through a whole generation, can't find a single person that will hook up with him. You know, I remember back in Ezekiel, he said, I, I sought for a man uh, that they would pray and, and, and stand in the gap and make up the hedge, right, so that wrath wouldn't fall. He said, I found none. None. Can you imagine that? He looked everywhere, couldn't find anybody to hook up with him. And so he finally found Abraham. And so, so he had a covenant with Abraham, but it wasn't the, the perfect covenant. It wasn't exactly what he wanted, but it was, it was the best he could do at the time. 
He said, for finding fault with them, he said, behold, the day come, uh, the days come, said the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. So the Lord made a covenant with them, and when people, and, and you know, so often people go like, yeah, I'm not going to follow that anymore. It's like, but we made an agreement. You ever made an agreement with somebody and they don't hold up their end of the bargain? That's just, that's just annoying, isn't it, right? Yeah, you said you're going to be there. Yeah, well, you know, I just decided not to. But you said you was going to be there. Isn't that a covenant, right? You ever made a covenant with somebody? Hey, you're going to be there Tuesday? I'll be there Tuesday. Okay, great. And Tuesday comes, they don't show up. And they call, like, what? And then they get, they get upset at you because you, you're, like, disappointed that they didn't show up on Tuesday. But you said you're going to be there. Well, I had to stop, you know. But you said. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I'm a big believer in just, I just, just do what you say you're going to do, right? Is that, is that hard? Well, for some people, it's nearly impossible. Why? Because they're not, they're covenant breakers. They, you know, when you say you're going to be there, that's a covenant, amen? Uh, and so, and he even prophesied that in the last days, they're going to be covenant breakers, amen? Uh, and of course, that's been, been the way of humanity as long as humans been on the earth. He says, uh, uh, he said, because they continue not my covenant, I will guard them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and I will write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. And he continues on in verse 11. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. And so the key that I wanted to talk about today is I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts. So everywhere you go, the law of God is in your heart. Well, I don't know from right from wrong. What should I do? I don't know what to do. The Lord said he wrote his laws in your heart. Now, it's not just limited to the written words here because who is the word of God? Jesus is the word, right? So, and, and the Holy Spirit, they're all one, right? So, but if he's living in you, then, then he covers every situation. And you would know that in your spirit, man, because he said he's going to write those in your hearts. Now, you've got to learn to yield to that. You've got to listen quietly. And when the Lord says, yeah, do that. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. But, you know, you may not do that. Okay, I, I should do that. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. How many times have you ever been in that scenario, right? I, I knew to do the right thing. I just decided not to do the right thing. Well, the reason why you knew the right, right thing to do is because God wrote his law in your heart. See, Christians have, have an absolute guaranteed, uh, without failure, uh, the, the ability to know right from wrong. The world, you know, they have a spirit, man, but it's not alive unto God. They have a conscience. We're going to talk about the conscience here in just a little bit. Uh, but it's not a sure guide. For the Christian, it's always a sure guide. You can always know exactly right from wrong because he said he wrote his law in your heart. And you have to have confidence in that. Okay, Lord, then, then I know right from wrong. Then I'm going to do right. Uh, I'm going to yield to that, that I know in my heart exactly what to do. You ever known in your heart what to do and you still don't do it? People do that every day, right? Christians do it every day. And yet, you don't have to do that. If you were intelligent, you'd be, well, yeah, he says to do that, so I should do that. Well, it's going to cost me. It never costs you to follow God's plan. Amen? never costs you to follow the will of God. People think there's a, there's a price to pay to follow God's plan. Yeah, the price is fullness of joy. If you do follow his will, you get fullness of joy. That's a pretty good deal, right? Uh, and so, and, and he repeats, you know, very, very, very similar thing, chapter 10, just a couple chapters over there. Uh, in verse 16 he says this 
is a covenant. You know, covenant is a strong agreement. Amen? It's a, it's a long-lasting, eternal agreement between two parties. You know, businesses make contracts, but God makes covenants, right? Covenants is a step above uh, a business agreement. He said, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, in their minds, will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Uh, and so the Lord, the Lord wants you to know that everywhere you go, His law is already in you. I just never know what to do. That's not true. Uh, you may not yield to that. You may, not, you may not have trained yourself to hear from that. But it's not true that you can't know what to do. Because he, he just said he wrote his laws in your heart. And that's a good deal, right? See, he said that's a better covenant. Uh, the old covenant, they had the written laws. They had, you know, the 600 or so rules and regulations they were supposed to follow. Well, that was, that was hard. Something happened to you. Hang on. Oh, it's in Leviticus. Oh, I always hate the ones in Leviticus, right? They're so hard to find, right? And they didn't have a concordance, right? They didn't have, you know, it's a scroll, right? Uh, I mean, the worst thing is in, it's in Deuteronomy 34. It's at the end of the scroll, right? If it's in Deuteronomy 1, it's fine. But it's in 34, it's like, you know how long it takes to scroll that roll, rolling that scroll around. I'm rolling a scroll, and you get to, oh, it's a 34, right? And the next one is in chapter 1. Now you can roll back, you know, all the way back to the beginning, right? It's the worst, right? amen? Your life was so hard back then, but now we got it. It's all, it's all in your heart, amen? Uh, everywhere you go, it's a pretty good deal. Uh, and, and see, if you want the fullness of joy, follow that law that's written in your heart. You always know what to do. It's right and wrong. Amen. It's never, it's, it's never an unknown to you. Amen. It's never, it's never, like, well, I don't know what to do. The Spirit of God knows what to do every time. Now, you may, as a human, you may not know what to do, but he always knows what to do. He always, he always knows what's right from wrong. Amen. Now, and so let, let's turn over to uh, Romans chapter 6, uh, Romans chapter 8, rather. <clears throat> So the Lord wrote his law in your heart. That's part of the new birth experience. And that's, that's a great benefit. Uh, and so if he wrote that law in your heart, then you should be able to hear that law. Amen? Now, it's not like it's... it's the thing about the Lord is because he elevates faith and he, and he prioritizes faith uh, is it's not loud and obnoxious, right? Like your neighbor, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's very quiet. Amen? Uh, and you have to train yourself to hear that quiet voice from the Lord. See, his spirit that lives in you, that where he wrote his laws in, in you by putting his spirit in you, your spirit man has to hear from that spirit. And it can every day, if you want to. Amen. Uh, and and the, way that, the, the way that he normally works, and he tells us here in Romans chapter 8, uh, let's read verse 14 first, and then we read verse 16. He says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So, so if we're a child of God, we have the capacity to be led by the Spirit of God. Well, what does that mean? That means that your spirit man on the inside of you can pick up the direction and, and the course that the Spirit of God wants you to go. Do that. Say that. Go there. Buy that. Sell that. Whatever it is, the Spirit of God is always directing your spirit about what to do, and He will lead you into that. Uh, and well, how does that work? Well, He tells us in verse 16, He says, The Spirit itself, or really it should say Himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So there's a witness on the inside of you, right? Uh, it's, it's down here on the, on the inside of you. Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So it's not in your mind. It's not a mental state. It's a spiritual state. Uh, and it's in your heart. Uh, and, and so uh, that spirit will bear witness. You know, I think I should do that. And on the inside of you, it's like, yeah, do that, right? I think I should say that. And on the inside of you, it's, yeah, say that. But sometimes you think, I should buy that. And on the inside of you, you're, the Spirit of God's going, no, don't do that. 
Now, it's subtle, right? It, it's a witness. It, it's not loud and obnoxious. It's just he's bearing witness with you, and, and you've got to learn and train yourself how to do that. Well, the best way to learn and train yourself to do that is be willing to judge everything you think or believe according to the Word of God because yes. the Spirit of God will never violate the Word of God. Yeah, I think I should just steal that. Well, yeah, my spirit told me to, to steal that. No, your spirit didn't tell you to steal that. Your brain told you to steal that, right? Your soul is man, but your spirit didn't tell you to do that because the, the Word of God says, don't steal. But see, if you're not willing to subject everything you think and believe and, and desire against the Word of God, you'll never learn how to be led by the Spirit of God. You've got to be willing when, when, when you think or want to do something and the Word of God says, don't do that, then you've got to be willing, okay, then I'm not going to do that. Uh, and you've got to realize, okay, that wasn't my spirit, man. That was just my mind telling me that. That was my thought life telling me to do that. Amen? Uh, and so it takes some effort. It takes some training to do that. But, but once you start doing that and you're willing to take everything you think or believe or desire and, and comparing it to the Word of God, see, the Spirit of God will never violate the Word of God. And I've had plenty of Christians say, the Spirit of God told me to do that. And as soon as they say that, the, on the inside of me, the Spirit of God and the Word of God will rise up and go, my Word is in conflict with that. So I can, I can guarantee you, I'm not their judge, but I can say, well, that's not God. It can't be God. If it's in violation of the Word of God, it, it can't be God. Amen? You know, the Bible says in Psalm 15 that, that, that the pilgrim of God would swear to his own hurt and change not. Amen? So lying is never okay, right? I remember a minister one time, yeah, I, I lied to my wife because, you know, she wanted me to do this and I didn't want to do it, so I just told her I did it, you know. Well, that's lying, right? Well, but it's okay because it was my wife. No, it's not okay, right? Uh, you know, it's not, well, I mean, maybe it's okay with your wife, but you know, so, no, it's not okay. It's wrong, amen? Well, why is it wrong? Because the Bible says that the, that the father of lies is who? The devil. the devil, amen? And yet Christians would say, you know, uh, they'll go back on their word. And they'll say, the Holy Spirit told me to go back on my word. And yet the word of God says that a pilgrim of God will, will swear to his own hurt and change not, amen? doesn't mean, that, hey, if something happens, you can't call him and say, hey, can we, can we postpone it till Tuesday or Thursday, whatever? You know, that, it's not being so rigid that you can't ever negotiate things. You ever double booked your time? I'll be there tomorrow at 12 and tell somebody else I'll be there tomorrow at 12. Well, you can't be two places at one time, so somebody's got to give. Now, what most people do is they just don't show up to the first one, right? Well, how come you didn't show up? Well, I double booked. Well, how come you didn't call me? Well, I didn't want to. It made me uncomfortable. Well, so you gave me your word, right? Call and, and say, hey, you know, I double booked. Is it okay if I, you know, do that thing over there? But Christians all the time is like, well, I had to. I had to lie, right? I had to not show up. It's not true. Uh, she, as long as you start justifying your actions that are in violation of the Word of God, you'll never hear from the Spirit of God. Uh, and so you'll, you'll never be successful in doing that on a, over a long time, amen? So the Spirit bears witness with your spirit. That's how you know, not with your mind, right? A lot of times people say, because uh, they're not really familiar with this, they say, well, you know, God spoke to my mind to do this. God doesn't speak to your mind. God speaks to your spirit, man. His spirit bears witness with your spirit, right? Your spirit is in your heart. It's in the, the center or the core of who you are. Amen? It's not your thought life. They're, they're separate and distinct. Uh, and so how do we know that? Well, let's, let's uh, we're about out of time, but let's turn over to, to Acts chapter 23. Because what we've got to do is we've got to learn, first of all, that if you're born again, your spirit's never wrong. Never ever has ever a spirit, uh, as a, a Christian, led anybody astray. Uh, and so, now Paul... Paul had some great revelation in this area, more so than probably all the other uh, apostles combined. He, now, he said here in verse 20, uh, chapter 23, verse 1, he said, uh, And Paul, uh, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience 
before God until this day. Now, he didn't mean all of his life. He meant from the time he was born again until now. Now, what was their response? And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. How dare you say that you have lived in all good conscience until this day? Because the, the, the Jewish people were of the opinion that you're going to sin every day. And there's no way you can live in all good conscience uh, every day up until now. And so you're lying. Well, they had no concept of a born-again experience, right? Now, the, you'll, you'll find the word conscience a lot in the New Testament. And what we find and understand is that the conscience is the voice of your spirit. It's what you hear. You, you ever know, you know what, well, I wonder what I should do. And on the inside, you go, okay, I should do that. Should I, you know, should I, should I say that or not say that? And on the inside, you go, yeah, don't say that. That's the voice of your conscience. That's the voice of your born-again spirit, right? It's the voice of your spirit. And if you're born again, it's a good word. Now, if you're not born again, 50-50, right? I mean, you, everybody has a conscience. Everybody has a voice of the spirit. But if you're not born again, who knows if your spirit's going to tell you the right thing. If you are born again because your conscience is remade in the image and likeness of God, it will never give you an error. It will never tell you to do the wrong thing. Amen? Now, but what you, you've got to do is train yourself to hear that conscience, right? Because Paul said up until this time, uh, he said, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. He's always followed the voice of his conscience. Amen? And that's a good thing. We should learn how to do that, right? We should learn how, how to distinguish right from wrong because the law of God is written in our hearts and, the, and, and your spirit man will pick up from the Holy Spirit. He'll say, yeah, do that. And your spirit man will go, okay, we're going to do that. He'll tell you, right? You'll, you'll have that witness on each side of you to do that. Uh, it, it, you know, we say a lot of times, you know, and it, sometimes we're a little mushy in that. We say, well, God told me to do that. And, and it, as often as not, really what we're saying is the Spirit of God witnessed to my spirit to not do that. It wasn't a word or a voice. It was just I had an unction, right? The, it, uh, John calls it an unction. I just had a, you know, a gut feeling that I should do that. Amen? So it's, sometimes it's hard to distinguish but if, you, if you're willing to obey the word of God, that, that knowledge and your ability to yield to that gets stronger and stronger. If you'll be willing to always compare everything you think and believe and desire to do with the word of God, because that's, that's absolute, amen? The word of God is not mushy, it's not, it's not flaky, it's consistent, amen? And if you're willing to do that, then what you'll find is that the strength in your confidence to hear your conscience and the voice of your conscience increases as the days go by. Uh, amen. But if, you're, but if you're willing to always compromise and go, well, yeah, sometimes you just got to lie. Well, then your conscience would be like, yeah, you're not I'm not saying that. I didn't say that. Uh, sometimes you just got to steal, right? Because, you know, you need it more than they need it. Uh, and your, your conscience would be like, I didn't tell you to do that. And the Holy Spirit like, I don't know where they, they didn't get it from me. But see, you're yielding to your mind, your emotions, right? And, and see, that, that, that what happens with Christians is they get so used to yielding to their mind and their mental thoughts their, and their philosophy of life which comes out of their mental realm, they never hear the, vo the voice of the conscience. Because your conscience is always, is always right. It will never lead you astray. Uh, and, and see, if you do that, then what's on the other side of always obeying your conscience? Perfect prosperity in everything you do. Perfect uh, blessings in everything you do. Amen? Uh, and so, so uh, well, we're about out of time there. Uh, let's read one more, voice, uh, one more scripture here and then, then we'll go because we've got to pick this up next week. Uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. You know, the Word of God has so much good information about this, about how to live as a human being. 
You know, so many people think they've got to go to the world and go to philosophers and go to psychiatrists and go to, you know, people of great knowledge and, and education to learn how to live right. No, that's a waste of time. You can get everything you need from the Word of God. Amen? Uh, and if anybody at, uh, uh, is of value to you, all they're doing is reinforcing what the Word of God already says. You know, if you go through, through uh, for years it was this way. Of course, they, you know, like, like we said earlier, anytime men get a hold of things, they mess it up. But for the most part, uh, the basics of, of a good civilized society is founded upon the principles of the Word of God, upon the law of God. Be good to each other. Love one another, right? Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Treat your neighbor with kindness. Those are just biblical principles, amen? And for years that was sufficient, but now we're like, now approve of everything, every sin that somebody comes up with. No, we're not doing that because that's a violation of the Word of God, amen? And it will destroy a society. Uh, but he says here in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, he says uh, in verse 10, he says, there are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world and none of them without signification or without meaning. And so uh, that right there is the difficulty that humans have. There's so many voices, which one do I listen to? Because you, you ever notice your body has a voice? Feed me, yeah. keep me warm, uh, rest, you know, leave me alone. That's a voice, right? Eat all the cake, eat the whole thing. Don't eat one slice, eat it again, eat more of it. Get some more. Shut up, eat some more. Uh, well, that's a voice, right? Uh, and your thought life, they're talking about me. They're just against me. Nobody loves me. Nobody's kind to me. Well, that's a voice, right? And your spirit, man, is quiet. It goes, God loves you. God will lead you and guide you in all truth. Uh, do the right thing and it'll always be blessed. I will protect you everywhere you go. See, that's a voice, right? Well, which one are you going to listen to? Well, if you train yourself you'll listen to the voice of your spirit, right? Uh, and so, and, and I'm not talking about like voices like, hey, I heard voices to go do these things. You know, we're talking about crazy people. We're talking about just normal humanity, amen? Right. Your body has a voice, your mind has a voice, and your spirit has a voice. Uh, and which one are you going to listen to? And the spirit of God has a voice. He will, he will speak to your spirit, man, amen? Do that. I wrote my laws in your heart. Everywhere you go, you know exactly what to do. Uh, and it's a good thing, amen? Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I asked a, I asked a person... Uh, one time, you know, they go to uh, they go to what I call the church of Fir the, the first church of doubt and unbelief, right? Uh, they don't believe anything, and they don't believe in miracles. And I say, so 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 God doesn't lead you and guide you in all truth. No, He doesn't lead you by His Spirit. No, He doesn't speak to you. No. Uh, and I said, so, uh, but you're born again, right? Uh, yeah, and the Spirit of God lives in you. Yeah. So what's He doing? If He's not speaking to you or leading you or encouraging or or attending what his law is, if he's not doing that, what's he doing? Well, I don't know. But you're saying he's not, you're guaranteed he's not doing these things over here, which is not true, because the Word of God says he's doing those things, but they don't believe that. So, well, I don't believe that, that he will lead you, that, you know, as many as the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. He doesn't lead me. It says he does. It says he can, right? So then what's he doing? He's there. He's the most powerful being in all the universe. He created everything, right? The, the power of God, the Holy Spirit is what created the universe, right? By the direction of the Holy Spirit, by the plan of God the Father. Uh, but this Holy Spirit is his power that created everything. He put that same power in you, but he's not doing anything? Well, that's a lot of waste of, of good effort, don't you think? Uh, no, he's doing great things, right? And one of the greatest things he's doing is he wrote his law in your heart. Everywhere you go, you, that voice of your conscience would be... Yeah, I think, I think we should do this. Yeah, we should do that. And how many times have you ever said, yeah, I, I, I knew I shouldn't have done that, but I did it anyway. 
Yeah, anybody ever done that? Yeah. Uh, uh, no one, anyone? <laughs> We've all done that, right? Every one of us has done that. Yeah, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I did it anyway. How'd it work out? Not so good, right? Well, why? Because your spirit man said, don't do that. And your spirit, if you lead your spirit man, you can have great blessings every day of your life. I mean, you can live in peace every day of your life. No drama every day of your life. No sadness every day of your life. No pressure every day of your life. Just yield to, to that voice of your conscience every day uh, and all is well, amen? Not the voice of your mind, well, I, you know, I, I deserve that, right? That, that's the voice of your mind, amen? Not the voice of your flesh. Feed me, clothe me, make me warm. Uh, it has a voice, amen? Uh, and we're gonna, we'll, we'll talk about next week about uh, having your conscience seared and what that means, amen? Uh, and how that's a problem in the church. Uh, and it's a big problem in the church, amen? Uh, but, but we ran out of time today, amen? We'll pick those up next. I just said that so you can come back, right? You're going to come back next week? We're going to leave you hanging, right? I've got to have a cliffhanger, right? Just like the TV show is a cliffhanger. Oh, who shot JR? Anybody know that? If you know the context of that, you know, go look it up on the, on the Internet. The Internet knows everything, amen? Uh, and so we're not going to tell you who shot JR until next week. Uh, but anyway, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we do thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you for the voice of our, uh, of our spirit man, our conscience, Father. Uh, if we're born again, he will always lead us correctly. He will never lead us astray. He will tell us to do the right things, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for these things. We give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And, and you know, when, if you've never done this before, if you've never learned and trained yourself to hear from your conscience, uh, like I said, the, the best way, the highest way is always before you, uh, before you do something that you believe that, that your conscience is telling you, uh, compare it to the Word of God. And if it's in violation of the Word of God, you go, well... Yeah, I thought that was my conscience, but that was just my mind telling me that. And you'll, you'll begin to distinguish the voice of your mind from the voice of your spirit man because your, your, your mind often is squirrely and it does weird things, but your, your spirit man is always stable. It's always in line, perfectly in line with the Word of God. And you'll be able to distinguish that voice. You know, sometimes it's, if you've never done that before, it's like, well, it's just so loud. Well, that's probably your mind, right? Uh, anyway, so, uh, uh, and some of these things are a little hard to, to teach. You just have to learn them, amen? So we'll give you the kind of the beginning of it, but you have to do some work on your part in order to be successful in that, amen? We'll come, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. Don't forget, uh, Friday we'll have uh, prayer here at the church at 7 p.m., uh, and we, we just come together and pray for about an hour. Uh, and then, um, uh, of course, today at 3 o'clock we'll have healing school, uh, and then... Um, um, then the next week is March, right? So, moving along, amen? Um, and um, daylight savings time is sometime in March, right? We, I think it's the 10th, we said, right? Spring forward. So, uh, that means you lose an hour of sleep. Are we going to make it? If you start now, you can add like an extra minute of sleep every day to compensate. Uh, you know, some people's like, oh, it's so hard. It's an hour, right? You get the exact same number of hours of sleep every day. Some people, oh, yeah, it's like 7.3 hours every day. Well, that's amazing. Uh, uh, anyway, so... Well, be blessed. Uh, have a wonderful week, and you're dismissed.